It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show, she's being brought to you in a part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And speaking of St. Simon's, uh, I'm trying to coordinate us doing a, a live show, a couple of shows, this show, uh, from uh, Sal's Place uh, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Today's show is also being brought to us uh, in part by... The Holiday Inn Properties, that's right, Holiday Inn Properties, man. Holiday Inn Express, Holiday Inn Resort, Holiday Inn. You get the idea, Holiday Inn. If you want to stay there, get the Billy C. discount. That's right, we can get you a Billy C. discount on any Holiday Inn property. Just call toll-free, 844-603-0364. That's 844-603-0364. Or, if you're like me and can't remember numbers... Just go to our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. It's right there on the right-hand side. And today's show is being brought to you in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want a signed copy, don't worry about it. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book, and you'll Get the directions. Hey, you want more than one copy? <laughs> I love you. Just drop me an email, and I'll hook you up with special pricing. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Special shout-out to all of our iHeartRadio listeners on WGIG, 1440 AM in Brunswick. And, of course, my man George and the rest of the crew from Nashua, New Hampshire, on WSMN 1590. And uh, you can check us out online on either of those stations uh, when uh, when they play us. Just visit their uh, websites to get the uh, programming. Um, coming up a little bit later on the show, we got Boxing Hall of Famer. Larry has to join us. Uh, we got a bunch of things to talk to Larry about. Alex Perpali will be presenting this week's Blast from the Past. A good one, another good one requested by you guys. Uh, on former multi-division world champion and boxing hall of famer Wilfred Benitez. Uh, but that's coming up later. But coming up now, uh, 
a couple of big things in the news that I want to get going right away. Uh, first and foremost, it's been offered uh, a the way Anthony Joshua refers to it, an over the moon offer. I love I love the Brits and their and their terms. Uh, but the biggest offer to date uh, for Deontay Wilder, the same guy that's going around yelling and screaming, saying that AJ's ducking him, uh, Team AJ has made an offer to Deontay Wilder, and it's a good one. It's uh, allegedly, from multiple sources, uh, an offer with a rematch clause to fight next. This is the next fight. This isn't a preliminary fight. This isn't us going through any BS. This is for Anthony Joshua to face Deontay Wilder with a rematch clause in it. First fight in the UK, second fight in the USA. Where'd you hear that before? And they're offering him a upfront for the first fight, $12.5 million flat fee to fight and substantially more, uh, depending upon how the uh, fight goes in the rematch. $12.5 million. That's $10 million more than he's ever made before. Joining me right now from St. Simons to get his thoughts is my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, your thoughts, my man. My thoughts, my thoughts. Karnak the Magician, remember this? Um, 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 I'll tell you what. Billy, I said this fight's got to happen this year, and uh, it's too big not to have it happen. And I think the the suits, the managers, the promoters, they all know it. They're just going through the dance and the facade and just, just the uh, old shuffle. But it's going to happen. Uh, and I think a $12.5 million is a very fair offer. Do I think Deontay Wilder will accept it? No. I think that he probably will accept it as a bargaining start or chip, but I think there's got to be some other concessions along the way. But I think he could definitely entertain that amount as a flat fee. It is $10 million more than he's ever earned. And with the rematch clause, if he is that confident, the Deontay Wilder that we hear every day pounding his chest and saying he wants to get in the ring, I'll tell you what, that'd be more than enough incentive for me to get in the ring with anybody. So you never know. I think it's a smart offer. I think it's a fair offer. But I think, you know, it's a good opening the door. Let's sit down at the table and just to have a little bit of a negotiations going on just so we understand where we are and where we will be. So I think it's great. Great start. Great communication. And uh, I want to see it developed, signed, sealed, and delivered. Well, here's the problem. It's the final offer. It's the only offer. It's a take it or leave it. Deontay Wilder offer. And here's the thing. You know, I've felt that the team around Deontay Wilder has been misguiding him. I've said that many, many times. Um, And I think that their plan is to cash in on the legacy of 50-0. And think about it, Sal. If Deontay Wilder continues to fight Less than stellar opposition. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Instead of using the word cupcake or bum, I'm going to just say less than stellar opposition. Although the last fight, I give him credit for. It was the best opponent he had to date in Luis Ortiz. Uh, But if Deontay Wilder, you know, 10 fights away from breaking that record, conceivably he could do that in a couple of years. Keep fighting uh, less than stellar opposition and maybe make uh, a lot of money. Uh, in doing so. However, we've talked about this many, many times, risk versus reward. Anything can happen 
unless they have a crystal ball. And if they do, I'd love to borrow it for a couple of hours. But the truth of the matter is, is in order for him to make that kind of money, you know, $12.5 million for one fight, he's got to fight at least six, I would think. I mean, I, you know, even give him the benefit of doubt. Say he makes more after the Luis Ortiz fight. Uh, he's got to fight at least five times. Even if he gets put in there with his sister five times, he still runs a risk, don't you think? I mean, I, you're, you're, you're saying risk versus reward all the time. Uh, I mean, isn't this a reward enough, 12.5 mil? Yes, it is. I think it's more than enough, and, and I think it's, it's definitely getting him down to the table. All I'm suggesting is he may just say, hey, hardline, I appreciate the 12.5. I want 15 all said and done. You keep everything else that happens with the pay-per-views and anything else. Give me my $15 million guaranteed, and bam, that's it. You don't know. And you know what? Then you're going to hear the back and forth and why it may fall through. But the bottom line is it's a good offer. Would I take it? Yeah, maybe I'd take it right away with maybe a concession or two. I want to wear my 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 white with green and red striped boxing shoes versus – no, I'm teasing. You know, I, I'll tell you what. I think it's a great, great opening. And if that's the final offer from Anthony Joshua, well, let it be said. But the bottom line is uh, Deontay Wilder has got to seriously think about it because, like we said, the risk versus the reward. He's going to get $12.5 million, bam, right off the bat. Okay. We know the way the way the money's divided uh, on on the table. You know, ten percent off the top. The trainer, everybody has a different different scale, but a traditional black and white scale. Ten percent off the trainer, thirty three and a third to the manager. Uh, training expenses, this and that. Uncle Sam. So you know what? Maybe he'll walk away with uh, with four or five million dollars. Still more money than he's ever done uh, and ever had. The bottom line is, yes, he should take the fight because if he is as confident in his ability to defeat Anthony Joshua in his backyard, then the sky's the limit for the rematch and for for Deontay Wilder's career going forward. So if he wants to look at the $12.5 million offered to him now as a little investment to himself, uh, in himself, and say, hey, it's only the beginning, then yeah, I'd shut up and get in the gym and boom, and show up uh, on that date and uh, take the 12.5, and just wait till I till I send you to the moon, Alice, and then we're gonna renegotiate on my half a backloaded negotiation clause where he can get all the frills, all the benefits, all the other things, and he can be in a driver's seat to make more money. I agree a hundred percent because it's an it's a no brainer in a sense because Deontay Wilder's in a win win situation. Number one, win win. He makes let's face it, twelve million dollars. Forget about. For, Let's just say after every possible expense and after all the octopus's hands that are in his pocket, let's say Deontay walks away clear after taxes and all of his expenses. Let's say he walks away with five million. Let, let's just I, I'm, I'm yeah. being happy. Let, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being I'm just I'm, saying yeah. devil's out. Let's <clears throat> excuse me. Let's say he walks away with five million cash. Okay. I got news for you. Even in today's world, that's life-altering money, all right? That's a win-win situation. Now, if he loses the fight, let's do, let's look at it from the worst side. If he loses the fight, his quest for 50-0 is shattered, okay? And his, him being in a driver's seat isn't happening. But here's the positives. This is why it's win-win. The rematch clause 
you know he's going to make at least another $12.5 million, you know. So I would think that the rematch clause is padded, win, lose, or draw, at least 15 or 20 So he's going to make another huge payday, okay? And if he should win the fight, now you're talking about, like you suggest, over-the-moon type of money. Here, here we are using U.K. terms. You know, uh, uh, you know outrageous <laughs> amount of money that he could make should he win. And then should he win a second time? Now he can concentrate on a 50-0 legacy, and nobody can criticize him. He beats no. the best guy. You know, I, listen, I strongly believe. Now, now I, I also have said many times I feel that Deontay Wilde is a one-trick pony. Now, with that one trick, he may have the ability to, to go very far with, with the power that he does possess. But I also feel very strongly that he's been mismanaged, that they're taking advantage of him, that they're not putting him in a position because of fear that he might lose. That's the only reason I can see. And now's the time for him to say, hey, you know what? I want it. Don't pound your chest and tell everybody you want the fight and then say, nah, I, I want $50 million or I want to. It, it, listen, you know what? Forget about what the other guy makes. Forget about what kind of a draw Joshua is in England and that he might walk away with $20 million when all is said and done. Forget about that. Here's your chance to make life-altering money and an opportunity to put your money where your mouth is and go over there, beat Anthony Joshua, and then the rest will be history. And even if he doesn't, like I said, Sal, he still walks away with with tons of money for him, his kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids. No, I, I think that this is time for him to shut up and sign the paper. He acts like he's never been offered. This time, it's publicly uh, noted and I think there's pressure on Deontay. I think he's going to look foolish if he doesn't take it. I think you're right. I think he should definitely take it. And and like I said, if he believes in himself, invests this into himself, he will become the heavyweight, undisputed heavyweight champion in the world. He'll have those belts, and he will uh, be in the driver's seat. And when they come here for a rematch, uh, like I said, the sky's the limit. He can even have that in a contractor clause. Hey, I'll take the 12.5 now, but when I come come out here, I need to have uh, 50% more of the gate than uh, than you earn, or, or more money than you earn, or I want 25 million, or I want 20 million. You take the 12.5. Uh, you know, it, there's a million ways they can look at it, but the bottom line is, yes, it's a great way to look at just grabbing that hook and holding on and getting ready and prepare for the biggest night in boxing this year. And I think that'll be a stellar event. I think it'll be bigger than what we've seen in a long, long time. There's no question about it. Uh, I feel that uh, he should take it. I got a quote from uh, Anthony Joshua concerning it. Um, he says, uh, I want this fight. There's no doubt about it. He's been very vocal about wanting the fight. Uh, before I was, because my objective was actually to accumulate every single one of the belts. Now I've done that. Wilder's my 100% attention. We're about to make another offer to Wilder's team, a very good offer that should create a lot of interest from Wilder, referring to the, the offer that was sent uh, yesterday. Um, also, he wants to know, uh, people to know that Alexander Povetkin is currently uh, the WBA's mandatory challenger, and he's getting his shot first. But if Joshua can get the fight with Deontay Wilder, then all 
interested parties, including the WBA, must conform to unification first. If Deontay Wilder does not accept this, then under the WBA rules, uh, Anthony Joshua has to, they have 30 days to come up with a deal. So uh, there is no room or time for a tic-tac back and forth, Sal. They have to make this now. Deontay's got to put up a shut-up right now. Well, he does. And and like you said earlier, I mean, what was the offer supposedly last year going in? Was it $7.5 million plus revenue of the pay-per-view in the United States, something like that? Well, that was alleged. That alleged. Okay, that's still alleged. That's $5 million less than what he has been offered by Joshua yesterday. So look at it this way. You know, even if he wants and his team wants the 50-0, and 0, the magic number for a heavyweight to, to attain, uh, to surpass and to beat Rocky Marciano's incredible record of 49 wins, zero defeats with 43 knockouts. I mean, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, um, more so on, on Deontay Wilder right now, is are definitely closer to that reality. Now, can he go through the next three to five years undefeated if he was on that path? Well, you know, he's going to have to fight somebody, somewhere, somehow. And like I said before, many times, there is no, there are no guarantees in boxing. Whether you wake up next week, whether you get in a car accident, whether you trip and break a leg or break a hand training or do something, do hey, there are no guarantees you're going to be here three to five years from now in the state that you feel you are today. So take the money, Deontay Wilder. Prove to the world that you are the greatest. You got that equalizing hammer, and you go out there and, and take the belt and bring all the belts home to the U.S., and then have a rematch, and you can live happily ever after, no matter what anybody has to say to you. And uh, I, I think it's tremendous. I think it's a great offer by Anthony Joshua. I think it's a great, great start to uh, have a great two-fight episode between these two giant heavyweight champions. Yep, uh, I agree. And it seems that most of the uh, people that are commenting uh, in all the chat rooms that we're uh, involved with agree. Uh, so if you're watching on our uh, YouTube uh, channel, which we appreciate, we're trying to uh, build that presence, even though we've been there for a while. Uh, there's also a super chat opportunity. So if you want some of your thoughts uh, read on air, our official chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com and our simulcast chat room, uh, which is going on right now uh, in uh, Facebook or on Facebook. But uh, anyway, big news uh, coming out uh, about this fight. And I, I can't, uh, I, I personally can't wait for it. Now, Sal, um, you know, we have a, a bunch of other things to talk about um, and, and something that's going to make you sick because it certainly uh -oh. made me sick. Yeah, uh, it definitely did. As far as just to close real quick, and then we're going to take a break, but Anthony Joshua uh, offering, or Team Joshua offering Deontay Wilder $12.5 million uh, contract to fight him in the U.K., which is also includes a rematch clause, which, by the way, if Deontay wins, it's not a fixed clause. I mean, they get to renegotiate or they get to add money. The, the, the uh, rematch clause, if A.J. wins, it's mapped out. If he loses, uh, they get to negotiate. Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, obviously his uh, uh, revenue streams uh, grow. But the second fight is already outlined in the rematch that it would take place in the U.S. So 12.5, two-fight deal. Deontay's very foolish if he doesn't take it. 
If his team advises him not to, Deontay Wilder should get a new team. It's that simple. This is the fight that we want. It's the fight that's being offered. It's a fight that has to be made quickly because if not, the red tape involved surrounding Anthony Joshua owning all the other belts but the WBC will require him to systematically uh, perform his mandatory uh, obligations. Uh, One other thing I wanted to add. Yesterday we were talking about... um, uh, Floyd Mayweather moving over to the uh, MMA and, and all of this stuff. And we also mentioned at the end that, um, you know, his uh, one of his bodyguards was shot in the leg uh, when they were leaving a club uh, uh, early uh, Monday morning or late Sunday night, however you want to look at it. Well, it was uh, an update on that. Uh, the Atlanta police have now uh, specifically determined that it was not a random shooting, that the uh, alleged shooter was specifically targeting uh, that uh, group of vehicles. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Wow. Uh, one last thing uh, I, I wanted to mention, uh, speaking of Floyd, uh, somebody sent me a, a video of Mike Tyson, and they were asking Mike Tyson what he thought about uh, you know Floyd Mayweather saying that you know he's the best ever and that he was better than Ali and all of this stuff. And the look on uh, it, it was priceless. The look on Mike Tyson's <laughs> face. The, the look on Mike Tyson's face. And you know what he said? He said, yeah, Mike Tyson, Mike, Mike Tyson said, uh, Floyd Mayweather is a very small, scared man. He won't even take his own kids to school. He's a scared man. Will not even take his kids to school. And he shakes his head. Um wow. A, it's hard to disagree. You know, uh, either he feels that he doesn't want to be involved in his kid's life uh, or uh, has to have his bodyguards around. I don't know, but uh, it was interesting to see. Anyway, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I got a statement from the WBA uh, main guy, uh, Gilberto Mendoza, uh, and what he says uh, about Canelo and Triple G. It's going to make you sick. Don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And I'll tell you, Sal, before we went uh, on air, I was saying, can you hear me? I was pulling to you. I was, can you hear me? I, I got this new headset. And and let me tell you something. It is so much better than the old. I'm like blasting my headset. I'm blasting my ears apart. I'm half deaf. I'm going to go out and get a new headset I, myself. I, I, you know, thank God that our system has this. It's a regulator. So... Um, you know, other people aren't hearing. We we have to maintain certain volume levels for um, TV and radio, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we have this governor, so to speak, on the show that, that maintains that. And, uh, you know, we still need to hear each other and all of that stuff. But, man, I've watched you on the camera several times, like when we come back from a bake and, and it goes blasting your It did the same thing to me just now. I was like, damn, that's loud. You know, you're, you're funny because all of a sudden, you know, I'll hear it. Bam. 
It's like getting shot in the head. It's like, whoa. I know. I know. It wakes you right up, right? Um, as promised, as promised, um, you know, normally uh, uh, I, I, you know, read the emails all at once and stuff. Um, but uh, my man, uh, uh, Luke, uh, Thunder Breslin, he says, uh, you know, his subject of his email um, was from, uh, says WBA Madness. And um, he sent me a, a quote and this was, and I got the quote and I forgot to mention, I can't believe it, it, it slipped me last, the last time we did that WBA is bad for boxing. That was our title, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, Luke uh, uh, sends the uh, uh, a reminder to me and he says, uh, sorry if I can't remember if you guys brought this up the other day, but uh, I wanted to make sure that you got a copy of this article. It's the president of the WBA making a comment about Canelo's failed test. Um, so this is what the WBA president, okay, uh, Gilberto Jesus Mendoza, uh, said uh, about Canelo failing the uh, um, drug test, the performance-enhancing drug test, for his fight uh, against Triple G. Now, this was, uh, I believe, a day or two prior to Canelo officially removing himself from this fight. WBA President Gilberto Jesus Mendoza said this, and I quote, the WBA, the, WBL, uh, <laughs> the WBA believes that it was an unintentional mistake by Canelo Alvarez. My first reaction was that I believed in Canelo's innocence. He has a long career in the professional boxing and has always proven uh, to be a clean athlete. It seems that the issue of clarambuterol is already a common case in Mexico. On previous occasions, fellow organizations have had to study this cause, and therefore they know more about it. But I know that the sample is at the levels expected from the consumption of meat. This was, by the way, that statistic was given out wow. by Team Canelo. Ne never have we heard that from uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Right. Um, he says uh, he already said that he would submit to all the protocols that are required from here on out. The WBA will continue to stand with Canelo as it has always done. This, the test that he was going to, uh, th this is, this is the, the sickening part. He's referring to the test that, keep in mind, that Canelo tested positive. He said this was going to add a bit of drama to the fight um sal <laughs> here's a president of a sanctioning body that i claimed the other day was exactly wrong uh wow. was what's wrong with boxing and here he's saying that trying to spin it that it would actually add some drama to the fight so in other words what he's saying is it's okay to cheat and to put yourself in a position where you're actually endangering the health and well-being of your opponent but it adds a little drama to the fight, so maybe we can all make a few bucks. Sal, what's your thoughts? Well, you know my thoughts, and I will articulate them. It, it, it's it's uh, it's continuing to be uh, dug deeper and deeper in a black eye because bottom line is you don't make certain concessions when it comes to an issue like this, and you have certain expectations. And you know what? Sure, it adds to the drama of the fight, but the fight, you know, the rules were broken. The rules were crossed. The rules and regulations have our, our attention. So we've got to address it accordingly. 
And you do that with the stipulations and the rules and regulations that are in place to protect other fighters and to protect fighters for themselves, from themselves, uh, if they are taking some artificial substance or some substance that's going to enhance their performance but do damage in the long run. So the bottom line is, I think that uh, that is a bunch of hogwash. And you know what? There's enough drama in boxing, enough drama in the world uh, to create and to make a situation that much more uh, uh, plausible. So I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the statement. Yeah, well, it's a terrible statement. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's disheartening that a, a, a guy uh, who shows, uh, who's supposed to be uh, a, uh, uh, I, I just want to make a comment right now. You know, I, I, I'm trying to build our YouTube presence, and I'm looking for the YouTube community, the YouTube boxing community, to, you know, subscribe to us, pass the word around, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we've built a really cool chat room. And, you know, I have somebody in there who I respect who's uh, actually a moderator. You, you got to be cool, my man. I'm not going to mention any names. Got to be cool with the moderation. I want people to be able to have their own uh, opinions and be able to express them in our chat rooms. You know, I don't want anyone to personally attack anyone else in the chat room. That is off limits but anything else whether you agree with what we're talking about or whether you disagree if you have an opinion and you can present it in a you know a professional manner so to speak or a uh, a you know uh, a grown-up manner uh, I'm all for it so don't threaten anybody with you're banning them you're doing this you're because you'll lose your wrench pretty quick but uh, uh, anyway my, my truth that the bottom line is we have a guy in the uh, a sanctioning body a a, a good sanctioning body uh, that uh, not a good one I think it's the worst but uh, you know many fighters want it um, but uh, but the truth of the matter is is that a guy like that can't say it would have added drama to the fight I mean I, you know you're putting another fighter in harm's way that's ridiculous Sal it was a stupid statement and stupid I hope statement. that people realize that this is the type of organization that the WBA is. And this is why I don't, I think it's the worst of the top. I, 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 I really, I think it's the worst. But uh, I, what do you think real quick, Sal? I mean, well, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't like it. It's almost like they're opening the, the door to make concessions on something that uh, it, it should be a hard line a stance uh, as, as we may see coming from the Nevada Athletic Commission, and and you know it's 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 just where we are. Hey, look, you know you can't keep lowering the benchmark. If you continue to lower the benchmark, all chaos and rules and regulations, what are they in place for? So the bottom line is you've got to stay strong. You've got to choose your 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 line of divide, and you've got to stay on the right side. And to make concessions, to make in, in, insinuations, guess what? To add to the drama, come on! The guy broke the rules. Uh, whether he ate a a, a a a burger that was loaded with this stuff, or or whether it was part of his training regimen that he was unknowingly or knowingly adding to his supplements, I I, I can't say. Uh, but the bottom line is, the rules are in place for a certain reason, and they should be respected and adhered to. And there shouldn't be any concessions or wiggle room or drama that's brought into it any further. 
case of what? What do you have? Lawn service going on? My new headset's picking everything. Yeah, up. Is yeah, that are you is, kidding me? I, I got the landscapers out. I, I feel like I'm on Caddyshack I, and I, everything's going on around. Uh, me. Unbelievable! I'm looking, I'm looking for the little little beaver. It's a, it's unbelievable. I'm, we we were getting snow <laughs> yesterday. Not, we were getting so you're, you're out there. You got the guys out there. You, he's you, shoveling around the pool. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the landscaper over there. He's trimming the hedges. And I hear motors going in my left ear or my right ear. That's funny. I, I'm this new headset. And I'm, you I'm, hear it? with am headset. I'm, 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 Look at you. you. Know, hey, with the new headset, I can hear what the mimes are saying. For God's sakes! But uh, anyway, hey, listen. You know, um, normally I, you know, I, we really love the uh, uh, the super chat in the uh, chat room on uh, on YouTube. I think it's really cool, and I'm glad that uh, all the guys talked me into it. Um, and uh, there's a guy in there that. Uh, uh, you know, wanted me to, to do something uh, that I have done, and I, I asked him for a super chat, but because he was being threatened, uh, I'm going to give it to him for uh, for nothing uh, just before we go to break. So we are going to go to break here, um, but, uh, but uh, Sal, I, I don't know if you ever uh, saw it or whatever, but uh, and I, I know you're going to be coming back. We're scheduled to have Larry come on uh, for a little bit. Then we're going to do our blast from the past, uh, Wilfred Benitez. But um, Teddy Atlas was... Uh, uh, a guy, you know, I, I got to meet Teddy a bunch of times, and sometimes when he when he first was working with ESPN, I, I met him at a Baby Joe Macy event up in Buffalo, and he was really cool, and he, he kind of changed over the years, and and his ego is is uh, uh, really second to none. I mean, when they fly him places, you know, they they got to give him a couple of extra seats for, for, for his ego, but. Um, one of the most classic things that Teddy Atlas ever did, in my opinion, aside from yelling and screaming and spitting all over the place uh, during the broadcast on ESPN, which I actually missed, by the way, um, was when he was training Timothy Bradley. And it was a, um, you know, a rah-rah speech in between corners, uh, in between rounds. And he's in the corner. And uh, he kind of he is grabbing Timothy Bradley and he's like, he, he does, well, something like this. He's like, oh, Jesus, Timmy, Timmy Bradley, what are you doing? What do firemen do, Tim? What do firemen do, Tim? You got to tell me, what do firemen do? And Timothy Bradley looks at him, he's like, ah, put out fires, Teddy. Ah, they put, more, they put out fires. <laughs> and it was classic. I it down and I, I, I loved it. But uh, in any event, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, what do firemen do? They put out fires, I think, you know. But hey, uh, is that our new trivia question? No. <laughs> but anyway, listen, we're going to be back uh, uh, for no. We got the trivia question. We may have a winner, uh, but we'll be back do in a great in, service to our community. So God bless all the firemen. If this was a Teddy Atlas people. split, had nothing to do with with the firemen. But listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans! Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. 
the one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, joining us right now, Boxing Hall of Famer, New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, my main man, uh, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Morning, Billy. How's going? Oh, not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Lots of stuff to talk to you about. A couple of things I, I, I wanted to bring up quickly because they're, they're uh, actually our topics today before we get into some other stuff. But um, I was uh, forwarded a, a, a quote that I read uh, from... Uh, uh, the WBA Gilberto uh, Jesus Mendoza. Uh, this was just before uh, Triple G backed out of the fight. And I'll spare you everything else, but one of the comments that he said concerning the fact that uh, Canelo had tested positive for the Clarenbuterol, uh, that it would have, that they support Canelo, but he feels that it was going to add drama to the fight. I find that comment kind of appalling since. Uh, one of the issues about performance-enhancing drugs is to prevent um, a, a one fighter from having an advantage over another, but more importantly, putting that other fighter in harm's way by, by you know, uh, uh, having uh, uh, a foreign substance that aids to their productivity or performance or whatever. What's your thoughts on that kind of a statement coming from a guy uh, who's supposed to be, uh, you know, one of these, a president of a sanctioning body that people vie to go win his titles? Well, I, I, I find that to be kind of odd. What type of drama is he talking about? I mean, um, could it be that his choice of words were just a little bit confused? Maybe, maybe he didn't really understand uh, totally what he was saying when he used the word drama. You know, I, I really don't know. I'm at a, I'm kind of at a loss for an explanation for a statement like that when, you know, he represents an organization that's supposed to be uh, upholding high standards in, in, in boxing and certainly one, certainly one, uh, which should be at the forefront of addressing uh, this issue of performance-enhancing uh, drugs. What type of exactly? What does he mean by it adding drama? You know, I would I would have to, you know, ask him. You know, is that exactly what does he mean? You know, 
by using the term drama. What what does drama mean in this particular instance? Well, I what he meant by that was that you know the drama of uh, oh uh, you know Canelo's uh, you know tested positive for performance enhancing drugs uh, you know is Triple G going to beat him does he beat him does he not I, it's a stupid statement no matter how you try to justify it or whatever but if anybody tries to judge I'm not saying you but um, you know it, it's you know the reason why they brought it up to me is because I had made this statement earlier in the week or maybe it was late last week I don't even remember anymore but um, but the the WBA when they ordered uh, Pavetkin now to fight uh, Anthony Joshua uh, this was my my the topic was they're bad for boxing it's 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 one of the reasons that makes the sport bad because here we are everybody's kind of on the same page even the WBC took a step back and said well you know Deontay doesn't have a mandatory for eight months or whatever it is the IBF has been silent on it he just beat Parker so he doesn't have anything and the WBA comes out so well he's got to fight Povetkin now he's got 30 days to make it or we're stripping him and this is the same organization that already has a regular champion uh, well, um, Anthony Joshua is actually their super champion, which is a, is a bogus title anyway. You got super champion, regular champion, and then he's ordering a a, a mandatory to possibly, you know, uh, uh, ruin the showdown between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. So, I, you know, and this just adds to it, which is a great segue because Anthony Joshua, his team has made an offer to Deontay Wilder to fight next to avoid the BS with the Povetkin fight since they only have 30 days to, to get a deal done. Uh, a, a rumor has it, and uh, I've confirmed with multiple uh, sources that the offer was uh, uh, for two fights. It's a two-fight deal, the first one being in the U.K. with the purse set for Deontay Walter, uh, Wilder at um, $12.5 million. Larry, that's $10 million more than he ever made before. Ooh. Um, uh, you know, $12.5 million for Deontay to go over and fight Anthony Joshua in England. Then he's guaranteed win, lose, or draw a rematch. And should he win, obviously substantially more. Larry, what's your thoughts? Do you think Deontay has to take this uh, deal? And if he doesn't, is all his pounding on his chest all BS? Hey, come on, man. I mean, that's a rhetorical question, isn't it? Does he have to take this deal? He has no choice but to take that deal. And if he doesn't, you're absolutely right. All of the pounding on his chest, all of the I want you and, you know, I'm going to knock you out, I'm the greatest uh, heavyweight, and uh, I'm the champion, all that, he may as well go trash all of that if he doesn't take this. And he's already guaranteed a rematch, win, lose, or draw. Come on. And, oh, I'm sure, and I hope that he really feels that he can win, because I'm I'm kind of feeling that he could win also. I'm not so sure now that uh, Joshua, based on Joshua's last performance and based on Deontay's last performance, because in my opinion, um, you know, like in sports, especially boxing and others, you're only as good as your last performance. But sometimes. You know, you have to give a fighter uh, a pass because uh, they deserve a pass sometimes when they've always turned in good performances, excellent performances. And then uh, they may have a 
lackluster, lackluster outing because some fighters, as I always say, they oftentimes only fight to the level of the opposition. So we, you know, we've discussed this before about him in the Parker fight where, you know, both it was strategic. Uh, and you have to have an appre- appreciation for boxing strategies and, you know, both of those guys. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a terrible fight, but, you know, if you're one of those uh, type of fans that like a lot of action, of course, you know, you thought it was boring and it just wasn't, it just didn't meet up uh, to the standards that, that you normally like to see. But right now, right now the jury's still out in terms of uh, who would win that fight. Uh, and if I was forced to bet, you know, I would have to go with Deontay Wilder right now just based on the last outing of both. So uh, with this offer, I don't see any way in which Deontay could turn that down. And if and if his handlers aren't encouraging him to take that offer, you know, I think he needs to uh, reconsider you know, who's doing business for him because I can't see a better deal being put on the table right now. The $12 million is like maybe three times more than he's ever earned. And then certainly with the rematch, especially after a good performance, you know, it might even be more. So well, you, you must have been listening to the show because I said almost word for word. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you just said. Listen, about his handlers. If they tell him, if they advise him not to take this fight, um, it's clearly not in his best interest. I, I, the, let, um, Deontay Wilder's last fight against Luis Ortiz, he made the most money that he ever made. And I think it was slightly over $2 million. So right off the bat, 12.5 is, you know, $10 million at least more. And if it automatically has a rematch clause built in, win, lose, or draw, he's guaranteed at least that again. And it's from what I understand, if he loses, the rematch uh, clause is still higher than 12.5. So, and if he wins, he gets to, to renegotiate that. So, so I, I, it's a stupid move not to take the fight. If they're going to cry and say they want 50-50, you know, I go back to what I always say, 50-50 of what? You know, you're talking about 50% of all the uh, profitable revenue. You know that people can fudge that. Listen, I say if I'm Deontay Wilder, uh, 12.5 right now in hand with a two-fight deal th- thrown in my face is a no-brainer opportunity. It's a no-brainer. For it, and, and you're right. If Deontay wins this fight, Larry... All bets are off. Listen, they, they, the only other option that Deontay Wilder has if he doesn't take this fight is to pursue the 50-0 uh, uh, record that is only you know substantial in the heavyweight division. And he could go on and fight 10 more less-than-stellar opponents to get to 50-0. But I ask you this. Even if he chooses to do that and make history, does that historical... Uh, uh, importance of 50-0 and 0 and the 10 fights that would take him several years to accomplish, even if he's busy and even if he's fighting his sister 10 times, can he make the same amount of money that he could make in, in a year's time in two fights? Probably not. Probably not. And um, to risk trying to go for the 50-0 and 0, 
makes no sense because now now you're you're kind of being hypocritical, not kind of you're being very hypocritical when you talk about being the greatest you see when when you start talking about being the greatest fighter, then you know you have to um step up to the challenge of fighting the best, okay right now, right now. The best heavyweight out there is Joshua to fight Wilder. So Wilder has no choice. If if he's going to fight the best, then he he has no choice but Joshua. Or he may as well go somewhere and just be quiet. I don't think that chasing a, a record, okay, in my opinion is not as valuable as having had a career where the fans can recognize you as a fighter who fought all of the best fighters from your era. Okay, even if that doesn't even if that means not breaking a record. You know, again, we're back to this uh zero, fifty and oh, uh thirty and oh and all of that. You know, I knew a fighter once who had a record of something like 39-0. and 0. He had a better record than Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali combined. And then um, he fought some guy, some just some bum, who, who he lost to. Okay? And why did that happen? Because the record that he had accumulated was he beat a bunch of nobodies. So, you know, records, records don't always tell the story. It's who they put in front of you. And... Fighters are there to entertain the fans. The great fighters, all of the great fighters from the past, fought the great fighters that were in front of them. They fought the best in their class, and that's how they became recognized as great fighters. So if that's if that's what Deontay Wilder wants to be known for as the greatest, and in the future when they talk about great heavyweight fighters and they mention his name, then he could rest assured that the fans appreciated the fact that he fought the best that were during his era. So he, you know, he either fights Joshua, and if he doesn't take this deal, man, I'm telling you, no, I wasn't listening to any show, Billy. It's a no-brainer. How do you walk away from this type of deal? You know, crazy if you walk away from this. You're 100% right about we can't criticize a fighter for not fighting great fighters if they weren't available during their era. But if they fight everyone that's available during, the, during their era, and even if it happens to be a an era that is less than Stella, it's not the fighter's fault. All they can prove is that they fought everyone available at that time. If Deontay right. passes on this fight, he's going to go down in history as a guy who didn't fight AJ when he had the chance, regardless of his accomplishments. And this the, the, the risk factor here, even if you choose the record breaker, if you choose the historical aspect, it's not like balloons are going to come raining down at, at, at the end of that 50th fight and all this money is going to be there. You know, it has to be marketed. This is the weakest link in Deontay Wilder's career has been lack of marketing for the man. And the team that he surrounded himself with is the reason. So why would he not take this money now when it's really going to benefit him? 
And the other side of the coin is the risk, even if he chooses to, to fight those 10 fights to get to that 50-0 and 0, and they handpick all these less than stellar opponents, the beauty of the heavyweight division and the reason why we all love it is because even somebody's sister who's a heavyweight yeah. could land a punch. That so so he could find himself. I'm not saying it would happen, but he could find himself one day against a cupcake and looking up at the lights and and waking up in the dressing room and saying what happened. And all of that risk went out the window, and he still doesn't get the twelve and a half mil payday. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And we know that it has happened to great fighters many times. I mean, and the guys that they fought weren't really cupcakes. When when I see him, Rockman, when he landed that shot on on Lennox Lewis, I mean, you know, it was like he closed his eyes and woke up in heaven. Okay, and when Buster Douglas went to Japan, okay, and defeated Mike Tyson, you know, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't all like, hey, it could happen. Everybody, everybody certainly expected Tyson and Lennox Lewis to win those fights. There was no way, you know, you're like, no way could Buster Douglas beat beat Mike Tyson. Mike felt that way also, but you saw what happened. So it could always happen in, in the sport of boxing, especially in heavyweight boxing, especially in a fight, anything can happen. I would not risk, and I don't think Deontay, okay, is going to take that risk. Take the money, man. Take the money. Hey, look what he can do. He can, he can take the money, okay, and, and, and invest that money or put that money away where now he's in a position to retire whenever he feels like it, a wealthy man, okay, or he, he can do that, plus he can keep fighting, okay, and make more money. So he's looking at a situation that offers him the best of all worlds in the sport of boxing, in the heavyweight division. So I cannot see, you know, I cannot see uh, even his management, who I don't think perhaps has done the best job in, um, you know, promoting his career. I can't see them turning this down. I really can't. It, it makes no sense. And and you're right, uh, I, you know, because I, I got something else I want to talk to you about. But you're right. I said the same thing. I said even at 12.5 mil, if you deduct the taxes and you deduct all his expenses and all those octopus quantity of hands he's got in his pocket, and he does, when you take all that money away and he's going to be left, let's just for argument's sake, on a low end, $5 million that he pockets himself. That's okay, life. Probably that, a little more. All right, yeah. but I'm just I'm figuring low. Um, so so five million dollars is life altering money. He he, yes. he like you just said word for word. I agree with you that he's set for life. His kids are set for life. Um, you know, so to risk that and go an alternate route uh, when his biggest payday to date was his last fight, slightly over two million, would be utterly foolish. And if his advisors actually pick up the phone and tell him, hang tight, Deontay, we're going to hold out, we're going to get more, I, I would fire them all right then, and I would sign with, with Hearn and do the fight. Because they're not looking out for Deontay's best interest if they tell him to walk away from this. They're not. They're not. But, uh, That's right. I agree. Anyway, Larry, this past weekend, 
we saw a, a very entertaining fight between uh, Jarrett Hurd and Ursulandi Lara. Uh, and um, the scores uh, came out 114-113 uh, uh, across the board. One judge had it 114-113 for Lara, and the other two had it for Hurd. I actually scored it for Lara. I thought that Lara landed the more solid punches, although Hurd was a coming forward nonstop machine, which I absolutely loved. And I, I, I actually, he reminds me of the first George Foreman. He delivers his punches like that, never ran out of gas. Seek and destroy was his attitude, and that's what Hurd did. Um, what was your thoughts on that fight? Did you think that they got it right? I thought they got it right, Bully, but I could see, I could see why you, you scored it for Lara because when the fight was over and I was scoring the fight, and I was right on with that score, too. I think I had it one. Well, yeah, I had it the same way. It Just was like a point. But a the point other way, you, you had it for Hurd, though, the same score the other way. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. I, I'm I okay. Heard, but when I put the pen down, and I had a couple of guys that we were together watching the fight, I said, hey, look, nobody's going to be wrong on this fight. Okay, that's what I said first. Right. Before the decision. I said, nobody's going to be wrong here. And they want to know why. I said, because this fight could have gone either way. I said, I'm telling you how judges are going to look at this. You're going to have some people who know how to judge fight are going to see Lara as perhaps scoring the most effective punches, okay, and especially in the early rounds where he was out. I think he got out ahead. I said, but uh, a lot of people, and I think the judges, are going to be like I'm thinking that this guy heard, and he looked so much bigger than oh, Lara God. to me. God, he looked he, like a heavyweight he kept, fighting a middleweight. It, it, oh it, you, gosh, it, and he just kept coming forward. And I said, they are not going to see those punches as being effective because he never took a backward step. And he scored, especially he started scoring um, a lot more effectively, I would say, after round six, seven, and those later rounds. And then when he knocked them down in the last round, I said, the knockdown is really what's going to pull it over to his side. And it did. And I think I was right. You were. But I had heard, but it was a very, inter uh, very, very interesting fight, a very entertaining fight, and that's what you call a sweet science yep. once again. Yep. We always talk about the sweet science. That's what we saw. Well, you know. what I liked about, uh, you see, the, the problem is, is when you have a fighter coming forward throwing punches, he a lot of times gets the nod, but from a much larger score. What I liked about this is that the scores were close, and that means the judges were actually judging the fight because a lot yeah. of those punches did not land flush on Lara. He was blocking him with his gloves. He was he was turning. Uh, and, and But his punches, even though there were few, uh, you know, few throw less than uh, heard through. His all landed right on the button. It was like there was an X, you know. So that's why I, I did not have a problem with the score. But as I'm running out of time, the other fight, the gal against Truax. Now mm. there was an example of a similar fight, but the difference was Truax was coming forward and he wasn't being effective aggression. He wasn't landing punches. But on the judges' scorecard, and I got. A, a really good email from one of our listeners, and he mentioned, he says, what he found, he says, and I, I circled it and said, I'm going to talk to Larry about this. He said, um, uh, 
what he found interesting was that all judges scored the same round 10-9 for Truax. Um, now, this was the round that uh, uh, Bird, the referee, deducted a point for from DeGal for, for using his uh, elbow, which actually was his shoulder. I think the Bird family needs to step aside for a little while. But um, um, but but listen listen to this, what happened. All three judges scored that round 10-9 for Kaleeb Truax. But the truth of the matter was, was that DeGal was winning that round. And then Bird deducted the point. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You talk about this all the time, the way you get all around around that gets swung in the wrong direction. Right. Now, I, right. I'm not a professional judge, nor did I even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night to say I'm a professional judge. But the way I thought it worked, Larry, and I need you to straighten me out here, is you go and you make the, the point deductions after you score the round. So, in other words, if I score this round 10-9 in favor of DeGal, and then I say referee Bird deducted a point. Doesn't that score become nine nine? Absolutely. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make nine, sure. That's right. Nine nine or ten ten, which is the same thing. Right. You follow me. Well, well, a ten. I, I I thought ten point must means the winner gets the ten the ten, and then the right. the, the loser of that round it's, the points are adjusted up. depending upon if it was a knockdown blah blah blah. But right. you take those points away after you determine who won the round. Yes. So overall, o- overall, right. overall round winner. So in, in this nine. case, all three judges take the point away and the round. You know, and I, swing the other way. Yeah, yeah. See, there we go. Okay, okay, and let me give you another example, Billy. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's another example in 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 that fight. Okay, uh, instant replay. Okay, round three when they when 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 with the headbutt, the the replay showed that it was clearly not a punch. Okay, that was clearly not a punch. That was a headbutt. Now, the point that I'm making here is that here's the, a fight, a close fight, that has to be stopped, perhaps, because he had a nasty cut, okay? That being ruled as a punch could have made the whole difference, okay, in that fight without making the correction because the referee ruled that that headbutt was a punch. And it was not a punch, so you know that's that's something that um, came to my mind right away. Looking at that, you know the importance of instant replay in boxing. Well, and, and he didn't really make a, a, an announcement. They showed it on replay, and once again, you know Bob Bennett says we're sticking to our call. You know, I mean, this is the guy that gets thrown out, and <laughs> it's it's almost I almost feel bad for him that he's. Everything that's negative, they make. Okay, Bob, you're up, kid. You gotta, you gotta go stand up for the rest of us and look like the idiot. You know, and he's like, nope, nope, it was, it was, it was not a headbutt. You know, we're watching a replay. Uh, it was a headbutt. You know, but uh, anyway, headbutt. yeah, no. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm glad you straightened that out because that was uh, one of the things. So, uh, but anyway, a slow weekend for boxing this week. Hopefully, uh, we'll have a lot to uh, talk about uh, with the uh, acceptance or denial uh, of the. Uh, uh, Anthony Joshua offer to uh, Deontay Wilder. And, you know, the one thing I want to just add uh, as I got to go here, Larry, you know, the funny thing about it 
is if Deontay Wilder's team was able to make a counteroffer and say, no, no, we'll tell you what, we'll give you $20 million if you come over here and fight us, it would be a totally different ball game. If they were in a position to be able to do that, I think the tables would, would turn and Wilder might be able to make more money. But since no one's willing to open up the checkbook, they have no choice but to either accept or go in a different direction. Don't you agree? Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's going to take that deal. You know, it's 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 like a no-brainer, Billy. I mean, those guys, I don't say that they've done the greatest job, you know, promoting him and, you know, getting him as much money as he could get. But, you know, they all fight guys. You know, DeBella's been around. Those guys, they've been around. I know he's he's got Al Heyman uh, in there in the equation somewhere, and Al's no dummy, you know. So... I don't. I don't see any other choice but to take that. I say he's going to take it. Okay. I. I think me personally, uh, I've become somewhat of a Wilder fan. I think that Wilder, he proved something to me in that last fight. Okay. Oh, he got up off the canvas, and he did what great fighters, great fighters, what they normally do. They find a way to win, and he did that. So I was impressed. He showed me he had heart. And he showed me that he was a real fighter. So right now, you know, I'm riding with Wilder right now. Okay? So I think he's going to take that. And uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, matchup. Larry, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to you next week, my man. Okay, Billy. All right, have a great one. You too. That's uh, Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Famer, with his thoughts. And as usual, I agree with everything he said. I'm going to take a short break when we come back. Alex Perpali, our blast from the past this week. Wilfried Benitez. Don't go anywhere. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyZBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. I guess I, I guess that's my cue. And we're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Um, and uh, it's that time again. It's time for uh, our one of our longest running uh, segments, the Blast from the Past. This week's Blast from the Past is being uh, brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Sign up today and our blast from the past is also being brought to us in part by the title bout championship computer game the same game that my man alex uses 
uh, to do the fight simulations. And the same game that we have on, uh, on the line right now for our latest trivia question. And the same game that you can download right now by visiting our website, billycboxing.com, and clicking on the banner. This week's Blast from the Past, as per request from one of you guys, uh, features former multi-division world champion and boxing Hall of Famer, Famer Wilfred Benitez. And joining us right now to tell us all about Mr. Benitez is my man, Mr. Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, sound working? Everything's good? There you go. I have this uh, new headset that I had to uh, put on today. And uh, the, other, the other one was fine. It just was, they start to wear and pieces of the thing falls out. And uh, I thought it was more of my hair, but it wasn't. But 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 it's like so much better. I, I hear, like I was listening, I, I heard a mime talking. That's how good they are, you know? So uh, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. You know, I, I you usually. You could hear the uh, the mice singing on their yeah, way to work. They, they were, they, you know, they're, they're singing in unison. But the, the mime chatter was, was really uh, blowing me away. But anyway. Um, Wilfred Benitez, tell us about this guy. Yeah, this guy is a major badass and someone that um, probably does not get quite uh, the recognition that he deserves. Uh, he should be looked at um, as right up there with the four kings, uh, Leonard Hearns, Hagler, and um, uh, Duran. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just gonna say uh, Duran. <laughs> Um, um, and of course, you know, he's linked to those guys cause he did, uh, fight most of them. Um, he, um, uh, was the youngest. Obviously you champion. invested in a good phone case. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> Ba-bam. All, all so sudden, well, Hey, whatever case Alex has, get it. Cause he just threw it across the room. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. It's amazing how durable it is. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so Wilfred Bernitez, yes, he was um, born um, September 12th, 1958. He's 5'10 inches tall. He won titles at um, 140 and 147. And uh, he was born in Morrisania Morris, Morris, section of the Bronx. Um, he was the last of eight children born to... Gregorio and Clara Benitez, and um, he, before he was even eight, he started boxing. Uh, his father uh, was the one who um, who trained him. Uh, both, you know, first got him into the sport, and then uh, trained him uh, all the way into his professional career. Eventually, they split. Their relationship was, um, you know, back and forth as a lot of fathers and son uh, boxing relationships are. Uh, I and would even venture to say uh, non-boxing relationships. Um, but uh, what his father used to do, they used to go to the schoolyard of uh, Public School 124 on East 160th Street, and he would draw a square in chalk, and um, they would have fights. He would charge a couple of bucks to get, um, you know, kids, you know, to of the kids who watched. And uh, he'd put his son in there, and um, you know they'd have like battle royals, but bot well not battle royals. I take that back. More like a um, royal rumble, where you know, or series of bouts where one guy would fight, you know, and then he'd fight the winner, that kind of thing. 
and his uh, son used to do pretty good. Um, he uh, and I mean, it, at the end of those afternoons, it would be you know you, he'd go home with lumps and bruises, but he'd have a dollar, you know, and uh, and that just making that dollar was more. Uh, than Gregorio had made as a child, um, you know, in, in, in the tough streets of Puerto Rico. So, of course, you know, there was this sort of ethic that um, the father was teaching him there. Um, of course, the thing that was a little interesting is that I'm not sure, uh, you know, a strict worth work ethic really went very far on Wilfred Benitez because he was a guy who loved to party. Um, he... Uh, uh, loved, he was notoriously inconsistent about um, training. Uh, in fact, he only supposedly only trained um, two weeks for Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, he loved the ladies, Billy C, and he liked disco dancing. Um, he would come uh, home during training camp at five or six in the morning at times, and uh, his father said, He is making love too much. <laughs> You know, uh, one thing, he also won the uh, Junior Middleweight Championship, too, Alex. He beat Maurice Hope, uh, and he had that reign, which included a victory. Uh, he included a victory over Roberto Duran, and, and I believe Tommy Hearns was the one that uh, uh, beat him. That was his last title that he, yeah, Tommy Hearns. That was the last title that he uh, held. Maurice Hope was a, I was just talking to someone about him. He's a, uh, one of those underrated fighters that was pretty good, you know, that people have forgotten about. And Benitez uh, uh, won that third uh, belt off of him. But uh, Wilfred Benitez... That's my bad, too, because uh, that's one of the... Um, in terms of his career, that is such a highlight knockout. Oh, I know. I, well, the, the thing about Benitez is he was the complete... Like you said, you know, as the sweet science, he was, he was basically a, a complete fighter. He displayed it all. He he could box. He could brawl. He could he could work his defense. I mean, uh, this guy uh, displayed it all and gave it his all. Was not afraid to engage, which ultimately would be his undoing, uh, unfortunately, uh, for the state he's in now. But uh, um, came around during a time when, uh, like you mentioned, he should be included. Uh, it should be the Fab Five, and they should. Uh, uh, put uh, his name in there too, and and Sh uh, Sugar Ray Leonard uh, never fought him. Is that correct? No, Sugar Ray Leonard and 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 he had a tre tremendous fight, and uh, Ray Leonard stopped him with just six seconds to go. Um, they, uh, yeah, the thing about Benitez was defensively he was an absolute wizard. Um, people compare him to like Nicolino Loche to Willie Pep, um, but you're right, he could brawl as well. Um, and certainly that idea of taking a punch um, was his uh, undoing in life. He's, he's very sick now. Um, you know, he suffers from post-traumatic encephalopathy. So as is often the case in the blast from the past, as much as we, you know, praise and honor these guys for the careers they have, uh, they exact a, a tremendous toll on, uh, on all these athletes. And um, he... Uh, yeah, I mean, he was very, very quick, very hard to hit. He could almost, it was as if people used to say he had a radar. He could see punches before they were coming um, and uh, get out of the way. He he could easily do it with his back against the ropes. Um, he, uh, you know, was just really a, a tremendous fighter, um, but as well as... Um, 
as well as him being a uh, you know defensive wizard, he could also brawl. And um, that fight with um, with Leonard was uh, was terrific. And and you know the thing, and this is just to go to sh- talk about how their his relationship with his dad was weird was weird um, before the fight with Leonard. Uh, Benitez's father actually penned an article for Ring Magazine detailing how uh, Wilfred, his son, would lose. Uh, and he did it to motivate him. Uh, it's I just recently saw the uh, I, Tanya movie, the Tanya Harding movie. And uh, it mine. sounds like um, uh, uh, Benitez's father was a little like Tanya Harding's mom. <laughs> Tanya Harding. <laughs> Tanya, Hard- Tanya Harding was like my idol at that time. I was like, oh, she's good. Hey, by the way, I always for some, you know, you gotta I know see that, that movie. It's really good. I, I, I always, I, I know I must have just sounded like an idiot about Sugar Ray Leonard because that was one of his great fights. It was actually the first knockout loss and first loss of Benitez's career. For some reason, I always get Arguello and Benitez mixed up when I'm thinking of Sugar Ray Leonard because that was the guy that Leonard never fought, right? Alexis Arguello, right? So yeah, that, that, and uh, Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor. Oh, okay. that's right. That's right. That was a fight that should have been made. I, those two guys, uh, the Aaron Pryor fight was the one. That's that's the one that uh, really everybody wanted to see, and, and uh, it didn't happen. Hey, listen, i got to give you a shout-out, Alex, because my man Johnston uh, just gave us a uh, super chat, and it's all about you. He says, massive shout-out to Alex Perpali. Always learn something from the blast from the past every week. The College of Knowledge teaching us kids. That's that's College of Knowledge. Jeez. College of Knowledge. That's, I like that. That's you. Yeah, I, I figured you would like that. That's Thanks right. Up, that's right. That. That's right up your alley. And we thank uh, Johnston for uh, uh, for his support. But uh, just to, to uh, reiterate what I was saying, you know, he had one draw in his career, and that was against Harold Weston uh, in 1977. Uh, he did fight uh, for uh, for his first title in his 26th fight. He, he beat a Hall of Famer uh, in Antonio Coventes. I mean, uh, 74 wins, nine losses, and three laws, uh, dr- uh, draws is what uh, Antonio had when he stepped in the ring uh, and uh, squeaked out a uh, split decision over 15 and then just fought the best of the best uh, all the way up until... Uh, he lost that last title to Tommy Hearns and continued to fight. Uh, and that might have been the, the nail in the coffin in terms of, uh, you know, his demise. Yeah, that was just really unfortunate that his fight continued. But you're right, uh, just 17 years old when he defeated Cervantes, you know, 25-0, and 0, 20 KOs. Um, and, you know, the, the way that... Um, Burt Randolph Sugar uh, refers to him. He is in the Boxing Greatest Fighters book, you know, the one we like to talk about here on The Blast. Uh, He's ranked number 96th in that book. Um, But it was like he could barely shave as a 17-year-old. He still had uh, pimples as a sure sign of uh, puberty in those early fights. But Sugar refers to him. uh, He says that uh, Wilfredo Benitez was so cocky he could strut sitting down. Um, so that gives you an idea of what this guy's uh, attitude was like. Um, but yeah, there were times that uh, he uh, was supposed to spar one afternoon in, in New York. You know, this was leading up to the, the Ray Leonard fight. Benita's father had been waiting for him. He was supposed to spar uh, one afternoon in New York City. And, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, this was before the Randy Shields bout. And 
Benitez didn't show up. No one knew where he was. They couldn't find him. Finally, a few days later, he gets a call. They get a call, and he's at Disney World with his girlfriend, uh, sightseeing. So, you know, there were times that he did not take uh, training seriously, and that's what's so amazing. We run into that every now and then uh, with the blast, is where you have a guy that was so incredibly good, and you wonder. Uh, I mean, I guess that's just human nature. You know, all of us have our uh, sort of underachiever moments. Um, but when you think about a guy that was such a pinnacle of the sport to think that maybe, you know, there were sometimes he wasn't even at his best and he was remarkable. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he did fight too long. And um, oh, that Maurice Hope uh, knockout is one of those things that is just absolutely amazing. Um, he uh, it took them uh, three minutes to revive Maurice Hope and five more to get him standing up. Um, it, people should go and check out the knockout on YouTube. It's amazing. And uh, you see Benitez after he nails him, he kind of just has this self-assured like I knew I was going to get him look on his face. And he said he took I took my mouthpiece out. I knew he wouldn't get up. And it's just, I mean, it really is one of those. You've probably seen it before if you're a boxing fan, uh, even if you didn't know who it was. You know, uh, it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but when you get those classic knockouts and then when you look at those fighters' careers after, it really is, I don't know how much more proof people need uh, to see the damage that those uh, horrific knockouts do to a fighter and, and the rest of their career. That's why I keep saying that the best thing we could do for this sport uh, is to force a fighter when they become a professional, uh, before you issue a federal ID, to make them undergo uh, a, uh, a head scan so that the doctors have a, you know, prior to boxing professionally head scan on file so that they can do comparison tests, you know, and maybe we can save uh, some of these uh, fighters' futures when something is detected because then you could take a look after a fight like that and say, oh, look at the change here. This was original one. This was after, you know, the first knockdown in his career. This one's after this fight. Look at the difference. And it gives the doctors a chance to to make an educated decision rather than just what the book says, oh, that looks like a normal scan, you know. And uh, same thing could be said with uh, Benitez. You know, that, that uh, long fight that we talked about earlier uh, against uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, he would be stopped three more times after that. Um, what are you doing, building an addition? I'm sorry. Uh, geez. I'm sorry, I knocked over. I, 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 you know, come on, man. I just told you how sensitive my new, my know, new headset is. I, I hear the ants arguing, for God's sakes, all right? So, uh, you know, come on, man. Stop. Can't you do your building after the show? I mean, come on. But, I mean, uh, you know, this. in all seriousness, you know, a, a guy like Benitez continued to uh, uh, fight. I mean, for all intent and purposes, after he lost his decision, a close decision, by the way, to Tommy Hearns in 1982 when he lost uh, his uh, junior uh, middleweight title, he went on to fight uh, all the way until 1990. And here's the thing, and, and, and this is an interesting fact, his last fight, which was 1990, which any person would say, oh, yeah, he held on way too long. He was only 32, Alex. 
by today's standards, some fighters are just entering, uh, you know, their their best performances. And he was already considered a fighter that was, you know, uh, being looked upon as as being shot uh, earlier that year in 1990. You know, he did have a four year layoff, but in 1990 he fought an 0-11 guy, uh, lost to a 13 and one Pat Lawler. Uh, but uh, but for all intent purposes, uh, he was only 32. Yeah, I think this is a good example about how boxing, it's not so much the calendar years or calendar age, it's mileage. Uh, and in terms of mileage, I mean, this guy, a lot, he did great things at, at a young age, but um, he poured on the miles at a young age. And that fight, uh, it's a really good one to watch. Uh, the fight with Matthew Hilton was a brutal one, and that was one late in his career. At 154 pounds, you're right, I'm sorry, I, 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 I didn't run him at 154 i only ran him at 140 and 147 in the simulator uh but yeah it got to the point like i said post-traumatic encephalopathy is what he has and um it's it's very sad it's one of those things where you know the slowed down movement slurred speech um he has poor very poor vision um they have do uh, benefits for him at this point. Uh, he's 60 years old uh, right now, and the last I saw, there was an article um, last year about him. Every now and then you do see uh, things in the news. Uh, un unfortunately, I think most of the time that I've noticed things, it's been about them holding benefits for his care at this point, because of course he needs a lot of health care. Uh, he's in very rough shape. You know, I mean, in terms of you know, your un, his understanding, I think, is that of like a child at this point. I mean, I think he does recognize people at times and stuff. But yeah, it's very sad. And I think that's the thing that people need to keep in mind. We, as much as we love this sport, um, it does, it's something, it's very dangerous. And, you know, uh, it, it would be nice if guys knew when to stop. Um, and like, I think last week we did Meldrick Taylor, uh, and, um, it was great to hear Larry Hazard's comments about how, um, he was in a position where he could, uh, stop a guy from going any further. And I think that's, that's what you need is some, uh, responsible, uh, human beings who just say, look, I love this sport, but what you're doing is too much. You've given enough and that's it. Yeah, they have to be uh, protected from themselves because their their outlook, exactly. their outlook, the type of person they are, their makeup is they want to continue. All superstar Absolutely. athletes do, and, and and boxing is is more dangerous because of the nature of what it is. But every other sport is the same. A lot of times, fighter uh, athletes don't know when to say when. The smartest ones do, and they're the ones that are still around and and active. His condition right now is so bad, I, I know he can't go to the bathroom himself or anything, but it's even worse because his sister who was taking care of him, I believe, is, is battling cancer herself. So now uh, he doesn't even have that uh, resource anymore. And uh, the WBC uh, had uh, given him some kind of a retirement, but from what I understand, he only got one or two payments from them, and, and that kind of fizzled out too. Uh, so um, it's a shame what what's going on uh, with and these guys. And I think guys. like we have with with seen with so many other fighters, there was the issue of, of blowing through a lot of money because of that party and lifestyle. And I think unfortunately, uh, again with the family dynamic, 
uh, supposedly his dad uh, gambled away of a lot of his money. Uh, one of his sisters claims that's not true, but you know, you know what that what that's like with um, when you have the uh, family tearing at each other as well. Well, you know, one of the other things I want to point out is in the '80s, those guys were making big money. It was actually the ratio of the purses that they were making then is just about coming around today for the big, big fights. In other words, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and Hagler, they each made $10 million. Uh, Benitez made some money, you know, fighting big names at that time. They, you know, the uh, 90s and early 2000s, the purses, you know, came down again. Uh, but uh, back in the 80s, these big fights, these guys were making good money. So Benitez got paid. You know, uh, you're right that uh, uh, obviously the uh, management of uh, of the money wasn't good. Uh, I love his uh, two uh, nicknames, El Radar and Bible of Boxing. That's uh, unique. I don't think I've ever heard of another fighter take on a a, a uh, alias like that. Yeah, the Bible. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. It's well, yeah, because he was like the truth. He was, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a whole new understanding of the sport. His ability to uh, see punches that um, weren't thrown yet was pretty remarkable. Uh, how did he make out in the uh, uh, the game in the uh, title bout championship computer game? <laughs> <laughs> he did very, very uh, well. in that game. You know the game, uh, <laughs> the one I'm supposed to be talking about. Yeah, that one. Yeah, in the title bout championship boxing game, he um, first I put him in against Mikey Garcia, who is the one one hundred and forty pound king, and uh, Mikey Garcia actually stopped him. Um, Garcia won by seventh round TKO, uh, a minute and twenty three seconds, and I assumed that um, Benitez just was um, listening to a lot of Donna Summer during that trainer camp and not really training. Um, because when they fight a hundred times, uh, Benitez is all over him. He wins ninety-six victories, only loses three times, has one draw. Benitez stopped Mikey Garcia forty-eight times. In his three victories, Mikey Garcia won them all by knockout. And then um, against the number one welterweight in the world, Errol Spence. Um, you know, Mr. Thurman hasn't fought in quite a long time, so in my my opinion, you got to give it to Spence. Uh, and I think uh, the transnational boxing ratings um, agrees that boxing rankings agrees with that. Um, Benitez wins by unanimous decision, um, one fifteen, one eleven. Two scores of that, and one score of one fifteen, one twelve. Spence had Benitez down in the sixth round, but Benitez battled back. And similar to the Garcia victor, uh, you know, numbers, um, Benitez dominates 92 victories, only eight defeats, 42 knockouts. Uh, in his eight victories, Errol Spence scored six KOs. Yeah, so they they finally uh, are kicking Thurman to the curb. Everybody's uh, uh, sick of all the excuses. He's an excuse machine. Yeah, and I think he. Um, it's been over a year since he was fighting, right? So I think that he, I think that's also part of it. Yeah, he's got another. I think he's got another ingrown toenail. So they got to postpone it. Hey, Alex, I got to go. I'm a minute over, but real quick, um, your your quick thoughts on the uh, offer from Anthony Joshua to Deontay Wilder, 12.5 mil, two-fight deal, uh, guaranteed 12.5 in the first fight. We don't know what this, the stipulations are for the second. Should he take it? 
I certainly hope he takes it. Uh, I, I have a feeling he won't, only because I think that that's what a lot of business, uh, you know, they say don't take, don't ever take the first offer, and this seems like it could be the very the first legitimate offer. Um, I don't know. I hope he does. I, I kind of agree with Larry Hazard that. Um, uh, I'm leaning a little towards Wilder. I think that sadly, as much as I like Joshua more, I think Wilder has looked better uh, in his last in his last fight than Joshua did. Um, I think it's a 50-50 fight at this point. Um, I really hope it does happen, and I hope I hope they don't put the brakes on it and wait to make the money pile bigger. I think that's just a big mistake. I mean, let's let's have the fight, and like you said. Have maybe have two, you know, and well, make the big money in the second one. The second one's always even. Sequels are always more money, even if they're crap. That's true. They usually are. But you know what? I think that if this fight isn't made now, it's not going to be made at all. It That's, would be. That, I really hope they don't do the I, Mayweather Pacquiao syndrome on this. No, no. I mean, I mean, Heyman, I mean I at all. Heyman didn't seem to learn anything from that. I mean, at all. Heyman doesn't invest. You know, the big misconception, everybody acts like, oh, Al Heyman, this, Al Heyman. Al, Al Heyman has never reached into his pocket once. He doesn't even buy his own soda. I mean, I, you know, he uses other people's money. So, And he's he's greedy. He's getting all his cut anyway. So, I, no, he's not looking out for the well-being. But, Alex, I appreciate it. Great job as usual. Wilfred Benitez, a blast from the past. Former world junior welterweight, welterweight, and junior middleweight champion. He finished his career with a 53 uh, wins, 31 by knockout, eight losses in which he was stopped four times, one draw. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1996. Great job as usual. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'll have uh, Sal Rocky Senecola joining us. So uh, don't go anywhere. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. And uh, you're not listening to some sound because uh, we got some uh, sound issues all of a sudden. But uh, I apologize for that. But joining me right now with no sound issues uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. What's up, Sal? Billy C, how are you today, buddy? I mean, uh, uh, how are you now? I was speaking to you earlier today. I listened to the segments, and they were beautiful as always. You know, it was good to hear Larry Hazard uh, and, and uh, of course, Alex, and uh, they were good pieces. But um, well, we we got yeah, some, got some we got some emails to read right now. Um, so I wanted to get going with that. Can I first uh, just say something? I got some sad news earlier this week. Uh, actually, it was Sunday morning. I yeah, shoot, was. shoot. Thanks, man. I have a friend of mine I met years ago. He came down for a visit, and uh, his uh, his real uh, real presence uh, in in my restaurant is known when when he comes in because uh, I light it up. And he's a he's a, a great guy, great family man. Kevin Shea. He's from Bergen County, New Jersey. We get, we got together years ago and we played connected dots of who we knew and how we knew it. And it was amazing how small this world is. Well, it turns out that he uh, was married into the family of uh, my good doctor who literally saved my life. My first sports physician was Dr. Alan Levy. Dr. Alan Levy was a legend uh, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was probably the one of the grandfathers or fathers of sports medicine. And uh, when you went to Dr. Alan Levy, you, you were not only uh, – 
rising or great athlete, you were already uh, uh, established. He was the, he was the medical sports doctor of the New York Giants and several other teams, and worked on um, some great athletes. Uh, and uh, he saved my life. Dr. Alan Levy saved my life, and I tell that story every day in my restaurant. Uh, people read my Wikipedia. They ask me questions, and Dr. Alan Levy is mentioned in my restaurant every day. And Kevin Shea called me, and he gave me the the, the sad news uh, that Dr. Alan Levy passed the other morning, and uh, at the age of ninety. So he had a great full life, um, and he saved my life. Uh, he was the doctor that, if you remember, I just returned home. Uh, from Europe uh, and Canada training with the United States boxing team not training, uh, fighting with the United States boxing team against the other countries in fact uh, Bobby Chez and I were both on uh, the US team going to Canada and coming back and, and I got a phone call from the Olympic Committee uh, asking me to join or, or to be a part of the uh, USA uh, national team going to fight against the Polish national team back in 1980 and it was going to be the last international fight before the Olympic trials. And, of course, the 80 Olympics was my goal. I wanted to participate and represent the United States over in the Soviet Union. So Dr. Levy was uh, working on my left shoulder, and uh, which, has been, which was, has been sore for, for, for a while at that time. And he gave me cortisone shots. And uh, finally, at this point, when I returned from Canada, he said, Sal, do yourself a favor. If you want to go to the Olympic trials next month, you definitely need to skip this fight and not get on that plane and and uh, just rest the shoulder. Let's do some some ultrasound and some some uh, some uh, some uh, therapy, and we'll get your shoulder ready for the Olympic trials. Well, I called the Olympic Committee. I think it was either Colonel Donald Hull at the time and Pat Nappy, and I, and I said, hey, I, I'm going to pull out of this fight that I'm scheduled on. I was already scheduled. I had the berth to go with the uh, United States boxing team over to, to Poland. And I think it was flight lot seven uh, in March uh, back in 1980, and uh, the rest of the Olympic team uh, went on that trip. Uh, ironically, Bobby Ches was also supposed to be on that plane, but he broke his nose in a car accident a week before, so he pulled out. And wouldn't you know, at that flight, uh, flight lot seven, I believe it was, going to Warsaw, Poland, uh, never landed. It crash landed in a moat, and everybody on board perished and, and died in a plane crash. So uh, that's why I always say Dr. Alan Levy inadvertently saved my life. And... Uh, and he was also the doctor in my last fight uh, when I retired who said I shouldn't fight when I tore my hamstring and uh, when I was fighting Louis Lamelli. And, of course, uh, when I tried to pull out of that fight because uh, of a torn hamstring, uh, I was told that, uh, Sal, you got to go with this fight. Uh, I don't want to tell you who told me, but uh, if you don't fight this fight, you're never going to get another opportunity to fight a big fight again. So I, I unfortunately didn't listen to Dr. Alan Levy's that that time, and and uh, and uh, well, that fight didn't turn out so good. But uh, my 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 uh, my condolences, but my thank thankfulness to Dr. Alan Levy, who was a fantastic sports physician, uh, great great. Uh, I admired him, respected him, and and looked up to him uh, many many times over, and I thanked him for. Saving my life. I give him a credit for saving my life back in 1980. Thank you, Dr. Alan Levy. My thoughts and prayers are 
with your family and, and friends and all your admirers because, boy, uh, I will always continue to speak favorably of you every day in my restaurant when the question comes up. So thank you, Dr. Alan Levy, and rest in peace, sir. You are a great man. Our thoughts and condolences from everybody from the Billy C. family uh, goes out to the family of uh, Dr. Levy. Um, thank you. All, all of the uh, emails that we were going to read, uh, I will. Uh, that if I didn't get to your email today, I promise we will get to them tomorrow. Um, but uh, it's time to go to the uh, trivia question. Um, oh, now, this trivia question has been hanging around. It's a tough one. Um, people are getting frustrated with it, but we want to give a winner. So I, I, I'm going to read the question. Uh, I'm going to give the two hints that we already gave, and I'm going to follow it by a third. And I really think that you guys will get it right after this. Um, these three hints should put it in perspective. Been getting some great answers and I love the fact that uh, you guys are really uh, working hard to get this. Now, what's on the line is your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, so if you're the first one to email me, and you have to email me the answer. If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, and we go by timestamps, so it's important. And even if you come up with this answer, if you're listening to this on a podcast or watching it on demand or wherever... Always answer, because we haven't gotten a correct answer yet. So don't assume somebody answered it right. Uh, if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that Alex just used for our Blast from the Past segment uh, to put the simulation uh, between uh, Benitez and uh, uh, the, the two fighters that he put him in with. So uh, here's the question. Name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by stoppage. Now, it doesn't mean his first loss. It means the first loss that he was done by stoppage. So name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by stoppage. The three hints are he was never a world champion. He fought for the world title. And the third hint, he was a heavyweight. He was a heavyweight. Name wow. the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his boxing career before being defeated by stoppage. He never won a championship. He did fight for the world title, and he was a heavyweight. If you're for the first one, email me correctly. Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You'll win a copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Good luck to everyone on that one. On this day, April 11th in 1974, Ishimatsu Suzuki knocks out Rodolfo Gonzalez in the ninth round to win the WBC lightweight title, and that took place in Tokyo on this day in 1974. On this day in 1913, Sid Smith wins a 20-round decision over Eugene Creaky to win the vacant world flyweight title and that took place in Paris, France. Took place in France. On this day in 1981, Larry Holmes wins a 15-round decision over Trevor Burbick to retain his WBC World Heavyweight title. And that took place in Las Vegas, Nevada on this day in 1981. On this day in 1982, Michael Spinks knocks out Murray Sutherland in the eighth round to retain his WBA World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on this day 
1982. And finally, on this day in 1992, James Tony wins a 12-round decision over Glenn Wolf to retain his IBF middleweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas on this day in 1992. Um, programming note, well, we'll talk about that tomorrow, uh, but uh, uh, make sure uh, that you do tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da <laughs> <laughs>